Man, um, wow, it's so good to see you all here. I'm Jared Nunn. Um, I am your pastor. That is really, really weird to say. I'm just telling you, that is strange. I appreciate the applause, but that's just this, this weird coming out of my mouth. I am your pastor. Um, I've been an associate in, in, involved in the church for 16 years, doing youth ministry and children's ministry and adult ministry and everything else. Um, but this is my first go around as a senior pastor or a lead pastor or whatever we call them nowadays. And I just got to tell you, I'm super excited. I mean, I am really excited about being here and being a part of this family. I've heard amazing things about you as a community from Don and from Gary and um, from the leadership here and other people that are connected to your church. And um, I can't wait to see um, what God has in store for us. It's going to be fun. I can tell you that. Um, My wife and I, um, Haley, love to have fun. We love people. And uh, we can't wait to get to know you and hear your stories and get to know about your lives and what brought you here to this church and this community. And um, so I feel like I'm rambling. And so I just need to stop that and get going. Can I just tell you, I want to be honest with you for a second. One thing that you're going to learn about me is, um, and this scares my wife, um, but it's just true, that I, I just tell a lot of stories about me. Um, I'm really an open book about life. Um, you know, I believe as a pastor that we're just supposed to share our stories and what God's doing in us and through us and around us and our neighbors and in this world. And uh, it gets me in troubles at, at trouble at times. And when we first got married, I had to learn to start asking permission before I would share a story um, because they can, uh, um, we've only been married for two years here pretty soon in November. And uh, so we're newlyweds. Um, but uh Yeah, and so you're going to hear a lot of stories about me. And one of the things I just have to share with you um, is that I am not a huge fan of change. Anybody in here just can say, you know, that's just me. (laughs) You know, I don't like moving. There are people in this world who love to move and love the process of packing. I see some of you like fist pumping in the back. Mm, 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 Yeah, not me. Um, Packing is terrible. I don't like it. And moving just stinks in general. It is hard. Um... This moving experience for us has been slightly challenging. Um, whenever we, we had kind of a crazy summer, so we knew early in July that we were going to be coming here, and um, I had just lots of trips in July, camps and a mission trip to Jamaica, all that crazy stuff. And I get back from Jamaica on like July 29th, and three days later when my wife starts packing, I get hit with a kidney stone. I have not had a kidney stone for 10 years, and I forgot what those are like. Has anybody had one before? It is the most horrific, painful, like, like a demon reaching through you, grabbing out your kidney and spitting on it and stomping on it. It's awful. And, um, and so my wife was the trooper. I had to have a procedure. I had to do all this stuff. And so I was laid up in bed all week long, and uh, she did all the packing. And, uh, and so she, she is a rock star when it comes to that stuff um, in our whole move this way. And so that was crazy for us as we got through August and started this process of packing. And, you know, I've moved like three or four times as a pastor, you know, to new churches, but I've never done it with a wife. And, um, and when you get married, you just get more stuff. Like when, we, when I moved to Oklahoma, um, I moved everything in like a small eight-foot U-Haul trailer pulled behind my truck. This time, it took us a 20-foot trailer and a 12-foot trailer, and the back of my truck, and the back. And it's just, that just happens, I guess, when you get married. Um, I had the ultimate bachelor. What'd she say? No, that's right. 
So there is fun days to come, but hopefully we won't have to move anywhere far. Yeah, yeah, probably. We'll just hire somebody to do it next time. It's just like, look, I'm out. Church people, please help us move. Yeah, it's not happening. But when we finally got the move and we started heading this way, one of the things that, that happened about three months ago is my truck, um, the gas gauge stopped working. And so, you know, I went the whole, it would get down to a quarter tank, and then at a quarter tank, it wouldn't go any further. And so, you know, while we were in Oklahoma, you know, I would just reset the mileage, and, and I knew I could get about 320 miles to the tank of gas. And so we start cruising out this direction, and literally 200 miles into our trip, my brother-in-law, Josh, is, is pulling off on the side of the road. And I'm like, what is going on? There's no gas station here? What's happening? He's just, somebody need a pee break? I don't know. And, um, and so we get out and we start, and he's like, we're out of gas. It's like, how does this happen? You know, we literally got eight miles to the gallon pulling a trailer. <laughs> that is a lot of gallons of gas to move a thousand miles. And so it was just nuts. And then when we get here on Tuesday, I don't know if you guys remember this Tuesday night, we're pulling into the valley, and all we see is just a wall of dirt. (laughs) Now, I've lived in Phoenix before, right? And so I know the dust storms and haboobs or whatever we call them. Um, Should I share your text? Maybe I shouldn't. Well, so we're coming into the city. And, um, yeah, we can share that. This is a fun church, right? And so we're coming into the city, and I've kind of prepped my wife that, look, it's hot in Phoenix, but it's a dry heat, right? It's, 100, it's 107. It's supposed to be 107 today when we're moving in, but it's not going to be that bad. It's not like Oklahoma where it's humid and all that stuff. And so we're driving into the valley, and this wall of dust happens, and then you know how the thunderstorms follow it, and then the humidity, and I get a text from my wife saying, I think we just experienced our first aboob. And I was like, <laughs> I said, our first what? It's haboob, not aboob. And so I was like, whoever is showing aboobs needs to put those away. We, literally, you can see this, the text going back and forth. It's hilarious, right? And then she gets out of the car and she just points her finger at me and says, you're a liar. And I was just like, I'm really not trying to lie. I mean, it's not always like this. It was like humid and sticky, and she's just like, I thought it was a dry heat. I said, babe, it will get better. We just have to hold out till November, right? <laughs> it's only two more months, and we can, we can make it. But that was our trip. That was our transition. That was our move. That was our craziness. And one of the things that I know about your journey, just from talking with Don and Gary and your leadership team, is that you guys have been through a transition, a change. And they're not always easy. And sometimes they're hard. And sometimes they're difficult. And sometimes they're frustrating. And there's a passage of Scripture I just want to share with you today that is, has been an absolute encouragement to me as I went through a transition, as I went through a change. And I think it will be to you too. Um, and it offers some unbelievable promises. Because one of the things that I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, not because I know you, but because I know God, is that there are incredible days in store for One Community Church. Um, I believe our God is faithful. I believe our God has a mission and um, a passion and a love for this community um, that he's going to use us to, to reach and to love and to care for families and children and, and just the Santan and Queen Creek area. And, um, and I'm excited about being part of that. 
Um, so this is, this is where we're going. If you have your Bibles, you can turn along with Joshua chapter 3. You can write some notes. I think the, the verses are going to be up on the screen. Um, but I just want to just real quickly go through this and see about some lessons that we can learn from, from this, this passage. This is what it says, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through, I think, 17. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I am with Moses. You might want to underline, I am with you, because that's really important. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go stand in the river. And Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites. Okay, we're going to skip those. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, why all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So what are a few lessons that we can learn? The first thing is this. Just write this in your notes. Put it in your head. Just marinate on it this week. Is that there is a promised land. There is a promised land. Last year was a great year for me. I knew that was going to happen. Last year was a great year for me. I'm newly married. You know, we hear a lot of people when Haley and I were about to get married like six months before, people would always say, you know, that first year is always your toughest year. Just push through, just fight, don't give up. But for us, it was amazing. Um, and it still is amazing. Right, babe? Right, babe? Yes, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little nervous now. It was amazing. Um, and, uh, and so it was just a great year for me. Um, that last year, it was, for me, it was really about getting healthy physically. And I lost 65 pounds last year. Don't ask where those 65 pounds went, um, because some of them I have found again. Um, but during that time, I actually began to love jogging. Now, jogging, um, it's like a love-hate relationship, because deep down in my core, I hate it with a passion, because it's just painful and irritating and all those different things. But as I began to jog and began to exercise, one of the things that I really enjoyed was how it made me feel, right? Um, just the... You know, my goal was to run a 5K. And for some of you that may jog, you're like, 5K, schmive K. You know, that's no big deal. But for me, it might as well have been a 50K or a 500K um, because it was a huge deal for me. I had never ran a mile at one time, less 3.1, 2, or whatever it is. And so, but, but as I started that process and I started running and started jogging, I just really enjoyed how it made me feel inside and, what, and the results that I was seeing and and the growth that was happening, and, and just the exercise, and all that stuff. And, and that's what keeps you going, right? It's that, it's that reward. It's that blessing. It's that seeing, you know, fulfilling the goal, and seeing, reaping the benefits of, of that job well done. And that's where the Israelites find themselves, at the point of a job well done. And I know 
for you as a church um, that the transition has been difficult at moments and challenging and trying. And, and there are probably a few days you probably thought, when are we going to get a pastor? Well, you have a pastor. I'm not sure if he's the best one, but you got one at least. And we're going we're gonna to figure this stuff out together. Um, and the promised land is there. And what I can tell you as, as a church is that there's a promised land for us. There are families that we're going to reach. There are people that, that are going to experience the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus because of your relationships and your relationship with God and because of our ministry and, and how we serve and how we reach out. It is going to happen. What was going on with the Israelites before they entered the promised land? If you know the story through Exodus, one of the things you know is that they had to wander for 40 years through the desert. And if you think about it, and if you read that story, the Israelites were a bunch of knuckleheads for, for 40 years, constantly messing up, constantly. Like the very first time that Moses left them alone to go speak with God up on the mountain, they decided to build a golden calf and start worshiping it. And this was after they saw God part the Red Sea. And this was after they saw the pillar of fire and the, and the clouds guiding them during the day. And you would think that, that what in the world is going on with these people? They were a bunch of knuckleheads. But God was still faithful. And that gives me hope. Because there are a lot of days that I feel like an absolute knucklehead. Anybody out there with me? And God is still faithful. God's goodness and His promises are not dependent upon our goodness. They're dependent upon His character. And they're dependent upon His love. And they're dependent upon His mercy. And what I can tell you as a church is that there is a promised land. Now, I may not know exactly what it looks like. I may not know what our future holds as far as buildings and growth and opening spaces. You know, we're talking about all those things. We don't know what that looks like but I can tell you it's going to be good because I can tell you that God's in it. There's a passage of scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, and 12. This might be familiar to you. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plan to give you a hope and a future. Circle those words. That's God's plans for you, to give you hope and a future. Then it says, You will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. What a beautiful promise that comes directly from God. Another passage of scripture, one of my favorites, is Matthew chapter 5, I mean Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. The message translation, it says this. It says, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. This is great. So keep company with him. And learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. And that's our promised land. That's who God has called us to be. He's called us as a church, as individuals, as a community, as the body of Christ, to watch how he loves and to love others and to be the extension of his grace into this world. There is a promised land. Here's a second thought. Is that sometimes it takes a step of faith to reveal the power of God. Sometimes it takes a step of faith 
Think about what, what it must have been like to the priests carrying that ark. When Joshua says, okay, this is what I want you to do. God's going to stop this river, and we're going to walk across on dry land. But first, you have to get your feet wet. you got to step in. And when you step in, the waters will stop. Well, what did the Scripture say about what the river looked like at the time? Do you remember? It was in flood stage. Now, being in Phoenix, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a flood before. Has anybody seen a flood? Okay, you get them. All right, well, I wasn't quite sure. But floods are incredibly devastating, right? Um, this, last, uh, this last June, Haley and I went with a couple of our friends to, um, to New Orleans, and we did one of those boat tours, you know, where you get to see alligators and throw marshmallows at them and all this stuff, you know, those swamp tours. And so we were out in the swamp, and this guy, um, you know, the boat captain was taking us through these back channels and stuff, and, and he said, hey, you see um, that, uh, that, that tree up there? You see how the bark is stripped away? like 20 feet up. I mean, literally, it's 20 feet higher than us. And he said, well, that's what Hurricane Katrina did to the swamps in this area. And he said, you see all these houses. He said, every single one of them were gone, you know, when this flood took place. And it was amazing to us to look at and to realize that like 20 feet of water just came roaring through this area and wiped away people's lives and homes. And the scripture says is that that's what the Jordan River looked like when God's people were chosen to cross it. And he tells the priest, step in, and then I'll stop the water. You see, sometimes it takes an act of faith to reveal the power of God. Last year, my best friend Eric, um, who's a pastor in California, he's no longer one there now, um, had decided that it was time for him to move closer to family. Um, he has a two-year-old, maybe just a three-year-old son now, and, um, and so they have lived in California, you know, their whole time, and we're going to be moving, wanted to move back to Texas or Oklahoma. And, and uh, we talk a couple times a week, every single week, about life and ministry. And, and as we're processing all this, I kept telling Eric, it's like, hey, buddy, look, you're just going to have to trust. You know, you're just going to have to, you know, you're going to have to find that job, and you're going to have to accept it. And then, you know, and then when you get there, you know, you'll find something for your wife, and you'll find that right house, and you just have to believe that everything's going to be okay. And he kept saying, but Jared, you don't understand. You don't understand how hard it is to find work. And my wife, we need that income. And we're just going to have to do it. And, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to accept something unless I know, you know 100% that she has a job. And, and so they searched for months and months and almost a year and a half later until they found a job in Fort Worth where he was a youth pastor and where she immediately found work. And, and I was remembering that as we were getting ready to move here, and he called me and he said, well, has Haley found a job yet? And I was like, nope. <laughs> has, uh, do you guys know where you're going to live? Have no clue. Hopefully somebody will take us in. And the Lord just reminded me, Jared, remember a year ago when you were telling him that you just have to move, you just have to trust, and the Lord will take care of you. The Lord will provide and that was God just kind of smacking me in the back of the head and saying, hey, Jared, what you told him, you need to believe. That the Lord will take care and the Lord will provide. Because sometimes it takes a step of faith to reveal that power of God. And that's what we're doing with Haley's work. And that's what we're doing with wherever we live. And that's what we're going to do as a church. Is that we have to take that step of faith. We have to believe that God's going to move. And when he does, he will bless 
John 16, 33. It says, I've told you these things, so that in me you will have what? Peace. In this world, you will have trouble. It's like, thanks a lot, Jesus. That's not very peaceful, right? But he says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome this world. And it's a promise. Yes, there are difficult days. Yes, there are challenges. But we have to step out. We have to move. We have to trust. We have to listen. We have to obey. Why? Because God says, I've overcome. It's going to be okay. Here's the third thing. Is that we can be confident of the constant presence of Jesus through our change. We can be confident of the constant presence of Jesus through our change. What does the Ark of the Covenant represent? Anybody know? It's the presence of God. It was, for the Israelites in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant literally represented the presence of God. Inside that Ark, they had some special objects. They had Aaron's staff, and and they had the Ten Commandments. And it literally was so holy, the presence of God was so holy that if you even touched the ark, you would instantly die. And it was the literal physical presence of God um, for the Israelites in the Old Testament. Now, in the midst of this change, in the midst of this challenge, in the midst of this crossing the Jordan, where does the Ark of the Covenant stay? In the middle of the river. As the people walk by and walk through the river, the presence of God stayed in the river. It was a reminder that yes, you're crossing a river. Yes, you're going through a challenge, but I am here with you. I will not leave you. This is difficult, but I am going through this challenge and change with you. Joshua, in the first chapter, the Lord says this to Joshua. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. That's a great promise, right? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. God has promised the exact same thing to us. Matthew 28, 20. He's talking to his disciples right before he ascends into heaven. Listen to what he says. He says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you. How long? Always. To the very end of the age. As far as I'm concerned, the end of the age hasn't happened yet, right? And so God's presence and God's promise is still good for us. I said it the first time I was here and spoke in June, and I'll continue to challenge you and remind you over and over and over again, is that who is with you changes everything. And when you remember, and when you believe, and when you lean into that promise of God that he will never leave you, it changes everything. Whatever struggle we go through as a church, he is there. Whatever struggle you go through in high school, he is there. Whatever you face as a family, if it's financial or emotional or relational or whatever, the good times, the bad times, the word always is huge. He will always be with you. One more thing. There will be challenges in the midst of our changes. Think with me for a second. What's waiting for the people as they cross the Jordan River? If you don't know the story, it's Jericho. The fortified fortress of a town whose walls were said to be impenetrable, that couldn't be defeated. What else is waiting for them in the promised land? Giants. Fortified cities. Battle after battle after battle. 
And it was tough and it was difficult, but God was faithful all the way to the end. For us, I don't know what those challenges will be. Well, one of the challenges is going to be where do we sit, <laughs> right? <laughs> Pretty soon we're going to have to like stack chairs and do like a bunk bed system in here or something. I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. We're going to tackle that challenge. If it's going to two services or eventually going to three services or, or it's knocking out a wall or whatever it is, it's a challenge and we're going to face it and we're going to figure it out. And when we outgrow that, the challenge is going to be what else do we do? Where else do we build? Or the challenge is, is how do we reach our community? How do we share God's love with them? How do we do it in a way that draws people in instead of pushes people away? You know, what's one of the biggest frustrating things to me as a pastor is that the church is known more for what we stand against than what we stand for. And that's so sad. And it's so disappointing. And I don't want us to be that way. I want people to know us by who we stand with. And that's Jesus and his grace, and his love, and his mercy. That's what we want to be known for, not what we stand against. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on what? Your own understanding. And all your ways submit to him, and he'll make your path straight. Philippians 4, 5, and 6 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this down the road. But as people were crossing the river and they got to the other side, one of the things that God commanded them to do was to go back for one person from each tribe to go back into the river and to take a stone. And they took one of those river stones and they placed an altar. And that altar was named, and I'm not sure what the name of the altar was there for, but it stood there as a memorial to remind people of the great work that God has done for us. And one of the things that I can promise you is that we'll get to a point when we look back and we see the promises and the goodness, and you can already do that now about one community and the lives that have been touched and, and how God has blessed the community because of your love and your grace. And it's, and it's that remembering that reminds us to keep moving forward. It's that, it's that memorial that reminds us of the goodness and the greatness and the presence of God. Here's the last thought. Is that Joshua displayed courage in the midst of fear. You see, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the ability to show faith in the midst of it. John Wayne said, um, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. <laughs> at some point this week, I want you to take a look at Joshua chapter 1. And one of the things that you'll see is that there's a repeating phrase that God says to Joshua over and over and over again. And that phrase is this, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. Now, why would God say that? Why would God tell Joshua over and over again, be strong and courageous, I am with you. Be strong and courageous, I am with you. Be strong and courageous, I am with you. Why? It's probably because he was afraid. He was a wimp. He was afraid. Maybe he was scared. Maybe he didn't think he had what it took. I mean, think about the man that he's following. He's following Moses, right? The guy who performed the miracles that brought him out of captivity. You know, I get that feeling, that fear. I mean, you guys had an amazing pastor for seven plus years in Mark. and He's a great guy and I'm looking forward to getting to know him. And I get that. 
And, there, and it doesn't even have to do with Mark and, and, and the amazing ministry he had. It's just the own fear that I have sometimes of my own inadequacies. I mean, like I said earlier, I can be a screw-up, you know, a knucklehead. And hopefully you guys can identify with that. I'm not perfect. Um, I make mistakes. But one thing that I know is that I have a powerful God that dwells within me and the power of the Holy Spirit who wants to use me to say and to show and to encourage this body of Christ. And you have that same spirit dwelling within you. And I don't know what makes you afraid at night. I don't know what are those things that, that cause you to worry, that, that stir that panic inside of you. But we all face them, men and women. And what I want you to know is that God is with you is that if you'll just take that step of faith and obedience to the Lord, He'll calm those fears. He'll make your path straight. He will work in spite of you. See, this morning, I believe this is where we are. I believe that we're entering into a promised land. That God has great things in store for us as a one community church. An amazing ministry will take place and that lives will be changed that people will be saved, that families will be encouraged. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I think it's time for us to just take that step out in faith. I believe it's time for us to be like those priests and and to step into the water and to trust and watch that water flow pause and stop as we follow God. And I believe it's time for us to lean into and remember that we're not facing this alone, that God is with us, whatever challenge that we face. And that God will help us to overcome whatever we go through and whatever is in store. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. The first day of many to come to, uh, to minister, to talk to one another, to encourage each other, um, to just be the family that you called us to be. And Lord, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have great things in store for us. Your scripture promises it, God. Um, your, your word is really clear that, that you know the plans that you have for us and they're plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. And God, we believe that and we lean into that and we thank you for that, God. But I know that whatever that is for us, that there are going to be challenges along the way. And that's okay because you're going with us. You're journeying with us. You are that Ark of the Covenant. You are that presence in the midst of the flood. And so God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells within us, that walks before us, that pushes behind us, that prepares the way. God, we trust you. We believe in you. And not just for us as a church. I know as all these families that are represented here today, that there are challenges that they face, that there are struggles that they may be going through if it's jobs or health or relational. And Father God, I pray right now that you would just just be a, a blessing and an encouragement to them. God, that they would feel your love and your peace and your presence in their life. God, that they would be reminded of your great love for them today. God, we're so grateful. We love you. We thank you. We pray these things.